Hi, y'all. Welcome to a Texas size ARG presents. We already Texas size. That's right. I'm Amigo Aaron, joined by a man few know was the original Lone Ranger. That cowpoke himself, the Brent. It's true, ladies and gentlemen. I used silver bullets to starve my family. You know, the original Lone Ranger was actually a, a man of great power and statue. He's not the original Lone Ranger. Cookie, I think, would be more appropriate. I like the cookies. tubby doofus that worked on the fire. I like cookies. Oh, cool. Well, let's, let's just, uh, what? let's untext on you. Woo! Oh, God. Right into the equipment. Hey, let's <clears throat> untextify me. So, last week, if you, if you watched the show, we spun the wheel, we made the deal. And this week, we'll be giving you a Texas-sized portion of the TI-99-4A slash Texas Instruments computer. Uh, Brent, what do you know about the old TI-99-4A? You know, I, after I actually started looking at some of the stuff, I recognized some mm. of the games. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I, I, the system itself, I've never played one uh, in person. Uh, I've never really went through their library until uh, this week. It was actually kind of fun. I have uh, I have a, a lot more than a cup of coffee with the TIs. My, one of my best friends had one for many years. Actually, I had more than one, but we'll get to that. So let's learn a little bit about the TI-994. I've got the document of doom right here. So <clears throat> the TI, now TI uh, released multiple computers, but the TI-994 and 4A were their most popular yeah. models. Uh, the TI-994 was released June of 1981, right? Uh, excuse me, the TI-994A was released June of 81. The TI-994 was released in uh, October of 79. Now, uh, you would think that little letter would not make much of a difference, but no, that's incorrect. it makes a tremendous difference. So, this thing debuted uh, back in uh, 81, $525. And that's, I think that's pretty reasonable. In today's money, you're looking around 1500 buckery dues. Yeah, I mean, but it was a pretty powerful computer for the time. Sure, so. sure. Uh, well, it depends on your point of view. Uh, this thing ran until 84 when it was discontinued. Um, according to all the sources I could find, they shipped around 3 million units uh, before it was discontinued. Uh, and of course, it, it was uh, it had the ability to use uh, floppy disks yes. or cartridges or uh, cassettes. So yep. it was sort of like uh, sort of like the uh, Coco or, or some of the other computers of the day. Pretty standard stuff. It used TI Basic. TI developed. Uh, it had 256 bytes of scratch pad RAM. Right. It's yeah, and then 16K of uh, graphics memory. Uh, and it was a uh, a decent little machine, man. Yeah, uh, I thought so. But with some caveats. So let's get into the real big deal here. The TI-994 series holds the distinction of being the first 16-bit PC. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It had a 16-bit uh, CPU that ran at 3 megahertz, uh, which was TI-developed. TI, for those of you that have, uh, aren't familiar with TI... Uh, they're uh, they manufactured chips. That yes. was their claim to fame: chips and, and electronics. Uh, they they are really widely known and regarded for their calculators, aren't they? Absolutely. Now, now you you have some experience in the calculator zone. And now. actually, they they so corner the calculator market that they have it, it, it's virtually a monopoly that they uh, uh, abuse. What, to what keep, do you mean? What do you to mean? keep their prices high. No, that really does. If you look into it, that's a very real thing. Are their um, prices still high on calculators? Oh, yes. On calculators? On graphing calculators, yes. They're still you hundreds that with of, your phone? They're still hundreds of dollars. <clears throat> now, the thing is, that's another thing. TI was smart enough to get in with the schools. Yeah. So all of the, the schools are, well, not all schools, but most schools uh, are obligated to have, uh, uh, to push the TI brand because they give out so many free samples to their teachers and stuff. No kidding. Yeah. Well, that's, hey, it worked for Apple, you yeah. know, so it's a good move. So get this, the uh, video processor in the TI, uh, it doesn't have a bitmap mode, which is kind of weird, you know. Uh, and in the European uh, consoles, you know, European TIs, they actually have the same graphics processor that the MSX has, if you're familiar with yeah. the MSX. Yeah. We should put the MSX on the wheel. I don't there think we've go. ever done that. Um, so... Get it. Here's something that blew me away. Keep in mind, this is 81, all right? 
All TI-99 models have plug-and-play support for per all their peripherals. Plug-and-play. Really impressive. If you were around in the old DOS days where you didn't have plug-and-play... You wish you had plug-and-play. Well, you know, plug-and-play <laughs> was funny because we used to call it plug-and-pray. Mm -hmm. Because when, in the early days, it would just do whatever it wanted, and it didn't give a damn about the rest of your system, and it would just take over. So yeah. TI built it in out of the box. Uh, and the... Uh, the vices, the vice drivers for the stuff, uh, are built into the ROMs in the hardware itself. Pretty, that, I mean, it makes sense if you're smart. only going into one thing. You know? <clears throat> that is so smart. Yeah. So uh, uh, TI came out of, the, out of the gates with the 4A. Okay. So as we said, the 4A was not the first machine they made, but this is where they really went at it. So <clears throat> TI was. Going along pretty well. It was a pretty popular machine. But here comes Commodore. Yeah. Okay. Jack Trammell. Now, T.I. was uh, one of his early adversaries, right, in the early 80s. So, uh, T.I. came out, like I said, it was like five, over $500. In 82, they started going to war with Commodore International, right? So, they lowered the price of the T.I. And this is 82, Okay. It went, and we announced the original asking price of this thing was $525.81. Okay, I want right. you to bear that in mind. By, by 82, TI uh, lowered the price of the 4A to $200. Wow. That, included, wow. that included a $100 rebate you would get. And I remember this distinctly, and they mentioned here in, uh, uh, on the place where I pulled this off, but I remember this. Bill Cosby was the TI spokesperson. Yes. Which wouldn't fly today, I might add. But no. back in the day, Bill Cosby was very a very popular side after spokesman. Yeah, my dad had a bunch of his albums, his comedy albums, you know. So, well, your dad too. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> but uh, 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 Bill Cosby was would always joke how easy it was to sell a computer by paying people a hundred dollars to buy one. <laughs> so there you go, and that's a fact. Uh, so. They went down to why did they get down to, to uh, two hundred dollars? Well, Commodore had the Vic twenty that down to three hundred bucks. Yeah. Now we both know how Commodore used to work. They would do certain. They would do stuff like run up a bill for like plastics or molded stuff, and then not pay the bill. And by the time and the, since the company they owed the company so much money that was making the plastics that when they didn't pay the bill, the company would go bankrupt. And then yes. Jet Jerome would like go buy him. He'd go buy the company and he would just wave off his debt. He'd own the company. He was crooked as day as long, but I mean, that's the way business is, you know, sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. People fault him, but I mean, listen, it worked. It worked great. I mean, you know, there's no doubt about that. So, uh, Tremel was like, okay, we, we'll play this game with you. And so he started dropping the price of the Vic, right? And keep in mind that TI had more money in these uh, TI 994As than they were making. Yeah. So their gimmick was going to be, uh, make it on the back end in the software, which we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so <clears throat> Commodore was like, all right, we'll go down that road. And so they started cost-cutting on the Vic. They did all kinds of crazy stuff, including stuff like, if you ever open up a, uh, some of the a Vicks, I've seen this in a bunch of computers now. Old In the old days, you've got that big metal plate that's like a, for RF shielding. Yeah, RF shielding. They would put that the paper version in there. And <laughs> you'd save a bunch of money just on that, you know. Uh, and among, among other things, of course, both of them used customized chips. This is something I didn't know when sure. I read it. But TI uh, used, they used their chips, but their chips were sort of a standard chip where Commodore would have their chip manufacturer make super duper custom cheap chips. Did that would just work for the C64 or, or, or the or Vic. So uh, in mid 82, they were giving away the TI. Uh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> if you. <laughs> If you were down to two hundred bucks, uh, you were giving away something that eventually it was a five hundred bucks a year before. The sales in this thing were at one point they were selling three or thirty thousand of these things a week, which is pretty good. It is, but in eighty three, Commodore lowered the price of the Vic twenties down to one hundred thirty bucks. All right, so you're really, you're talking <laughs> that's brutal. So Ti was like, oh yeah, let's show you. They lowered the four nine nine four A down to one hundred fifty bucks. Now, there's some debate as to which machine was more powerful, the TI or the Vic. Uh, you know, both in their own right, they're pretty decent machines. Yeah, I think the, the uh, TI probably had a slight. Edge. I think the TI did have an edge. <clears throat> but 
and it looked better. It was beautiful. The Ti looked. It's like the. Uh, 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 what is the what was the the, the uh, car that they drove in Back to the Future the DeLorean? DeLorean that's what it reminds me of it's got that kind of chromey more look to form it. than function <clears throat> um, so after the TI lowered their prices the Commodore lowered its prices again and so eventually uh, Com Commodore was selling the Vic twenties to uh, for a hundred dollars and TI also did it so they were losing a ton of money on these things uh, and it eventually. Uh, they were like, we're we're getting out of the PC business. We can't ha handle this anymore. So, uh, in in August, they cut, they reduced their peripherals by fifty percent. They offered a hundred dollars for the free software, and then it reduced the prices more. And by the end, and I kid you not, this is why it's relevant. The friend I knew that had had a TI, they cut the prices so low that his mom went out and bought like seven of them. <laughs> and I remember she had a closet full of TIs. They were so cheap, and she was like, "Geez, I paid five hundred bucks now. I can get it for you know sixty bucks. I'm going to load up on these things, you know." And she, and load up she did. So I thought that was interesting. And uh, we need to say Commodore laughed heartily as they moved on to the C64 and let and they TI crush, in the dust. Crushed, yeah. yeah, crushed the competition. Um, a little bit about the TI uh, itself. So as we mentioned, it's got a kind of a, a pretty nice look to it, doesn't it, Brent? Yeah. You've got uh, it, it's not, it doesn't have the best keyboard on it, which I remember that. It's got that chiclet style keyboard that everybody hates. Uh, the uh, I, I never liked those chiclet keyboards. Have you ever, have you ever used one? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, one thing that the, that the TI had going for it, and this stems back to the price war, is they were very um, they were very anti competition when it comes to software. They did not promote independent software programming. They did not promote third parties. They were real tight about about uh, making stuff for the TI. Well, another thing I read was they were also anti-game. They yes. wanted educational software. All, foremost, uh, front and center, they wanted to be known as the educational machine. So when game developers were like, hey, like we're going to develop for your system, you're like, we're not going to help you at all. Yeah, because at all. they didn't release any of the stuff you would need to program for. Yes. So you had to sort of figure it out. Yeah. But they wanted to do what Apple did, which was get infiltrate the schools, and which I guess they did with the calculator. That makes sense now if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so what, the, what does this mean is it results in a lot of people uh, not making games for the machine. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, and that, and which was uh, it, moronic. And, of course, I think by the end they were like, we'll do anything. But then at that point it was too <laughs> it late. It was too late, right. Uh, another thing the TI is known for is it's uh, really cool uh, speech synthesizing uh, add-on. This thing was really neat, and it, it was, was. It, I'd say it blew away the one in the Odyssey. Oh, killed it, uh, yes. It was a much cooler sounding one, uh, and it, it was, uh, uh, it, it made realistic speech patterns and voices that were, I mean, it was pretty much one of the best Very the legible. I can't, is there, was there a better one you could think of back in those Back days? then? Because it crushed the Intellivisions, too. It was oh, really yeah. good. Well, I mean, the voices were were. I mean, they weren't crystal clear, but they, they were, were clear. And they they were, were telephone quality. They were differing too. You yes, that was what was neat about it. So this thing came out in the early in the early eighties, and it, uh, it actually supported some games. In fact, it supported my game. I don't think it supported your no, game. My, no, now, which I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, now we've got to talk about the TI peripheral expansion box because I saw one of these things. So the TI is a lot like the Amiga. Uh, it it would have sidecar stuff yeah. you could put on it, right? And so by the time you got done, you'd have a stack of crap. Your desk would be from here to eternity, right? So they made this huge gimmick, and it's a huge, a huge box that hooks in the side of your machine, and it it's where you plug in peripherals, right? Now my buddy, uh, his dad had one of these things. I mean, this thing was huge and expensive too, boy. It cost a ton. Uh, but the sidecar was cool because you could uh, you could put all your stuff in there, uh, and, uh, and you know extra drives and peripherals and stuff. It was right. really cool. It's sort of like what the Coco had with the little expansions, the thing that added four cartridge slots, yeah. Yeah. but it was more for proper expansion. And so <laughs> they called it the, the it was called the PEB. But uh, like a lot of things that get put in there was like disk drives, yeah, because that's the, you know that's where you put them, and it, it, it was a big monster of of a gimmick. Um, TI developed most of the games for this machine, a, a good chunk of them. Uh, and a lot of these games are straight up uh, 
clones. Yes. You know, they did stuff. A ton of clones. They did stuff like TI Invaders, uh, Munch Man. You, I don't have to tell you what this stuff is. Uh, uh, and they also did a game called Hunt the Wampus, which I often reference. Hunt the Wampus is this, is this crazy game where you go around hunting this guy with a bow and arrow. It's not a, I wouldn't call it a good game. I would call it a, but it was so, kind of fun in a weird way. Well, and it was it was problem solving more than a game. One of these days, maybe I almost picked Hunt the Wampus, but I, I didn't know there was enough Jack there to do anything with it, so I was like, eh, I don't know. Uh, they did get some third party support though, which surprised me when I I went down and played a bunch of TI games this week just to check them out. And I, they had Popeye and Frogger and some, and, and uh, so they were okay. Yeah, you know, I thought they were. You know, they well, were, I think once they dropped the were an educational machine angle because it was not. I mean. It couldn't have been right down the middle for them. You know, they had to have been losing off on that. And they started broadening their library. Yeah. I think it brought a lot of people in. So, the TI's downfall. Uh, and they lost $111 million after taxes in the third quarter of 83. That's when they were like, we're out of here. And uh, so, now here's something I didn't know. TI also sold a MS-DOS compatible computer. I had no idea they ever did that. Much like Commodore did. You know they're actually ah. they're actually quite similar uh, in, in that way, uh, but when in '83 when the game crash hit and everything, a lot of companies went out, and so you know um, um, they were amongst a bunch of other computer companies that fell over, including Coleco with the Atom, uh, the Atomic Sinclair over here, PC Junior, some other stuff. So they that was it was a, a short ugly trip to pain. Well, everyone wanted to hit the market and be the best, and then you know you can't have everyone be the best, so. Yeah, only yeah. the strong survive, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, now here's something I thought was really interesting. No official technical documentation was T from TI was uh, made public until until uh, a, this thing called the Editor Assembler was released in '81, and no system schematics were ever released to the public until they discontinued, uh, discontinued the computer. Well, so that means anyone trying to work on this thing, where it's hard pressed to get yeah. it done, and it makes me wonder what how much untapped potential the thing had. If you consider uh, not having that documentation, some of the stuff where the games, I should say, are pretty good. I know, wonder. I wonder if they did that because they were afraid people were going to steal their stuff. I think they wanted to make money on software. They didn't want anybody else well, to sell it. I'm sure that's what it was. That and as history has dictated, uh, that's you can't do that. Well, I mean, you can make money off software, but you can't lock down your system. And be a little licensing monkey. Well, that's what they did. Hey, well, yeah. it worked for Nintendo. Uh, sort of. <laughs> they, they were a little bit different. So, with all that in mind, the uh, Venerable TI-994A, we picked two games from its library. It does have a, uh, uh, a decent-sized library of games. It had some. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, I mean, and there were some heavy hitters. And like I said, there's arcade ports and stuff. Um, they had a lot more exclusives than I thought. Yeah, they had a few. Well, I mean, again, T.I. was making a lot of those things. Well, and by exclusive, I mean not a clone, but only found on the T.I. Right, right. So Original exclusives. There yeah. You go. With that in mind, we picked a couple games. I'll go ahead and lead the charge this week. Sure. And I picked for my game the game Parsec. Yes. Now, Parsec is a, well, is a sort of renowned game for the system. That's yeah. why I wanted to pick it, because I thought it was probably one of the ones that best... Uh, that best uh, uh, summarized uh, what the system could do if given the you know the proper programming and whatnot. So this was another game made by TI itself, uh, as we as we mentioned, and this thing was released third quarter of '82, and it was programmed by a fellow named Jim uh, Dramus and Paul Urbanus, which I like Urbanus as a name. It's kind of cool. And this retailed in '83 uh, for about forty bucks. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, forty. That's what it costs, man. Forty bucks. So, what is uh, Parsec? Parsec is a is a uh, side-scrolling uh, shooter. You know, uh, uh, a shoot 'em up where you uh, play a little Parsec machine. Now, I, I dug up the instruction manual, so I, can, I don't want to shortchange the backstory of, of Parsec. So I've got it. I've got it right here. You are the you are the commander of the starship Parsec. Patrolling an alien planet, suddenly the onboard computer announces that you are about to come under attack by, by small alien fighters and large, heavily armed, hostile alien cruisers. The fighters are heavily mobile, and unless they are eliminated your, by your laser, they <laughs> fill the screen, restricting maneuvering of your craft, and may cause a deadly collision. This is like a an L.A. traffic jam, that's what it sounds like. The cruisers are highly aggressive. 
and, the, and their not. armament is devastating. Armed with photon missiles, they track your ship and fire on it. You must outmaneuver and destroy them with accurate fire from your ship's lasers. So, with that incredibly detailed backstory in mind, this this is Parasite. Now, I will say, Parasite, uh, for a game of its age, brings some interesting twists to the table. When you look at it at its heart, it looks like a uh, game that looks sort of similar to, like, say, a Super Cobra or something, or a Scramble, where you fly your little ship across an alien landscape, and you uh, just shoot everything you see. Yeah. Right? There's no bombing, there's nothing else. <clears throat> there are multiple levels in Parsec. There's actually 16 different colored uh, levels, and and it's all scrolling, you know, sideways. 16 is a pretty good number. That's yeah. pretty good. Uh, so, if that was all it had, this would be a short look at Parsec. But there's some added uh, jack to this thing. So, for starters, this sh- uh, this game has a overheating element to your ship. Yes. If you fire your laser too much, your ship will start to flash red. Right. And if you keep firing it too much, your ship will explode. <laughs> I was very confused the first time that happened. It was sort of like uh, the precursor to Mech Warrior when you yeah. you know lay off the PPCs, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, so you can, when the things flash, what did you think was happening when the ship flashed red? Well, I, I wasn't sure. I, I I mean, when I blew, I didn't know. I thought I would just stop shooting. I didn't know I would just explode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so that's an interesting angle, and that comes into play a lot. Now, the lasers in this are uh, sort of Defender style, aren't they? Yeah. They're kind of long, yeah. and they streak across the screen, and uh, they look pretty good. And what's neat about them is you can kind of move your ship up and down, and they'll kind of follow your ship a little bit, so you can kind of break with them, which it's is pretty cool. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another angle this game has is are, are basically sp- a speed controls. Yeah. Uh, did you know about this? Yeah. Did, how long did it take you to find out before Instantly. you realized it? Oh, so Instantly. You, you, knew, you knew about yeah. it. Yeah, well, well, the first thing I tried to do was go up the screen from being all the way in the back, which made the thrusters kick, which, and then I started, I, I stopped, I still floated forward a little bit. I'm talking about the ones you use with your with the number buttons. Did you know about those? Ah, that's what I thought. Bam, got it. So, this game has a, what's called lift controls. Which is another thing that you don't see that often, and if you on your keyboard one, two, or three will determine how fast your ship goes. Right, so if you're at three, your ship's going as fast as it can go, which and it ain't fast, brother, but it, it's still going pretty good. However, if you're at one or two, it's, it goes slower, and down at one, it goes real slow. Now, uh, when why would you want to go slow? You would ask. Well, there's a bunch of reasons. I know why. <laughs> uh, uh, one, one of which is if the screen's really cr- crowded with guys, you're trying to kill these guys, you might want to slow down. And I actually played it too more than I would have thought, uh, just because there was so much stuff. Something else that will happen is uh, this game has aliens that dart on the screen from off screen real quick and and from behind, which I should yeah. mention. The aliens will come in on both sides of the screen. It makes it very difficult, doesn't it, to uh, to stay off their out of their way. And so often you'll run into stuff. I mean, it happened to me over and over. Oh, that's how I died the most, was yeah, yeah, yeah. collisions. Yeah. And so uh, um, so you can use those slower speeds. But the main reason is, is another gimmick this game's got, which is the third gimmick, is that every, between stages you go to what's called a refueling tunnel. All right? This game has a fuel element, again, much like, say, Scramble. Uh, this is very similar to Scramble in a lot of ways. And so... You have to go underground through this tunnel to refuel. Now, this is a horrible system for refueling. <laughs> well, I guess it's so it can't get bombed from the top. So, I, I, I can understand it. Would you want to fly through those caves well, to refuel? I, I'm, I'm just saying, I can see that's in like the a, game that's where like if it would you were make playing pole position and to go refuel, you had to, or, or like a pit stop, you had to go through a maze or something. <laughs> it's like, my God, and the walls are electrified. It's like, no one's going to do that. But anyway, you go through this tunnel to refuel, and, and, uh, that's when you hit one. How did you do the refueling at three? I just, well, you I must just have backed, been <laughs> all, Well, the first tunnel's not that bad. It's the only tunnel I made it through. Well, there you go. Uh, but when you when you pull all the way back on the stick, it slows your ship down, too. I don't know about the one, two, three thruster, but that's what I did. It's well, the, the one, two, three thruster, I, I found pretty pretty uh, necessary, to be, to be honest with you. So... As you fly over the alien landscape, they've got some cute little, like, I guess, uh, Easter eggs are down there, including uh, sometimes you'll see the name of the game written in the city. Sometimes you'll see the Texas Instruments logo. And I, they also said you can see the initials of the guy that made it. I, I, didn't, yeah. I don't think I ever saw those. I, I saw those. 
But uh, I did see that. I saw the name of the game a bunch of times. I thought, man, this is uh, bizarre to have the game's name. But I mean, Do we really need to keep hassling him like this. They already <laughs> bought the game. I think it's cool. So those are pretty two pretty cool aspects of the game. You're like, that sounds pretty good. But there's a third, a third aspect that is even cooler. This is one of the games that used the uh, really cool speech synthesizer. Did now? Did you play with the speech synthesizer? Yes. You yes. got to play with that. Oh, That's the best part of the game. It's the, it makes the game. So the game has an onboard computer that like will warn you when when stuff's going down, right? And I've got here, I've got here what it says. Listen to all these things it says. It says, "Press fire to begin." Alert! Alien craft advancing. Alert! Ships attacking. Nice shooting. Good shot. Great shot, pilot. Laser on target, enemy destroyed, warning, time to refuel, congratulations, nice flying, extra ship, caution, asteroid belt. Yep. We didn't get the asteroid yet. There's an asteroid belt you can also maneuver through. Another reason to use those numbers. Uh, the asteroid is, belt's easy. The though. asteroid belt's sort of, again, this is sort of similar to the scramble uh, board where you've got the meteors. Yeah. Sort of remind me of countdown, five, four, three, two, one, advance to the next level. And which that that sort of plays into this. And sorry, you are out of fuel. I like that one. I never got that one. Well, sorry, did you ever run out of fuel? No. Well, that's probably why you yeah. didn't get it, Brent. That's what I'm saying. So, I never heard that one. At the end of the levels, you're fighting, you're fighting. You don't really know when the level's going to end, but you hear the girl come on and say, Countdown, five, four. And when she finishes up, the level's over. It's time. Great. So the voices in this sound like a chick. Yeah. And you know why? It was a chick. Uh, there was a, The voice in this was done by a girl named Aubrey Anderson, who was a student at Texas Tech. <laughs> All right. So I believe it or not, I found a magazine article with an interview with her about this game. <laughs> yes, what? yes, it was an old T.I. magazine. That's how the links I'll go. It was a pretty, this chick was pretty blasé about it, but they, one, one of the things they asked her, they asked her, do you play games? What do you like? She's like, I don't know. She asked her how she, she didn't get a parsec, and she's like, yeah, I can't get past the, the tunnel or whatever. But when she originally, she hadn't planned, she was not the girl that they were going to use. But it turns out that the, the digitizing process that they used to, to do this they had to have a girl with a certain tone and pitch to her voice that would work that that, that the mics could pick up to, to that they could pick up properly to digitize. Right. And she, I guess she wasn't the first choice. They had her buddy chosen, and the producer talked with her, and her and her voice was lower, and so that's why if you know, listen to the game, her voice isn't very high. It's not she's not lurch or something, but she's not like hello, you know. But she her voice is not that high, and when and and it. It's it synthesized perfectly for the game, and so she said she did it in two uh, two sessions over two days, uh, a forty five minute session, and an hour session, and she was just speaking into a microphone. But they had uh, a bunch of computers and behind the scenes that she didn't right. understand. Uh, but I thought that was kind of neat that that they just got a girl from Texas Tech. It's a Texas, it's a Texas style uh, space shooter. Did uh did they say if they paid her? Uh, they didn't say. I bet she didn't get paid. I would I would do it for free. Oh, they asked her, they asked her what she thought about being like in this game, and she was just like, "Oh yeah, I mean yeah, I didn't care not that much. It's not that big I mean, deal." So like she's a voice actor. Well, let me tell you something. I'd be like, if you're in Parsec, they... no, 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 it's cool for you and me. It's cool, but if that's not your jam, it's not like she was even there to. Uh, I know. Uh, it's not even like she was there to to do the part. They were just like, "Hey, you." Yeah, you with the face. Get yeah. in here and talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting, and it was neat. It was actually neat to to find to find the girl and, and listen to what she had to say. So again, we mentioned the asteroid field. When you get to this thing, the screen kind of turns, kind of like a it's almost monochrome looking, and you're going through these asteroids. Uh, you just avoid them, basically. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's weird because it has like seven asteroids that are in a line and they take up the whole screen so you have to shoot one or two of them and the first wave is real slow and what it does is gives you a chance to line up with a set of asteroids to where you can just uh the next wave is a little faster the next wave is a little faster until it gets pretty fast it's about seven or eight waves yeah um, but you just if you stay in the same spot and just shoot when the asteroids come on the field uh it's pretty easy to get past. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> just a few tidbits about this game. This was the first game on the TI4A to use uh, bitmap graphics, 
which explains this because most games don't scroll in the TI. So that in mm, itself is pretty okay. impressive. Um, there were two different cartridge labels for this. There was a purple one and a red one. Uh, and uh, so they went, they went, there was, that's kind of weird. They had their reasons. Um, there's a, there's a gimmick, which I didn't get to try, that if you hold, if you've got two joysticks hold up, uh, hooked up, you can hold the button down on the second one and then use the first one and you'll never overheat the laser. Ah. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't mind giving that one a shot. There's also uh, some warp cheats. There's, a, there's some wacky cheats. Apparently the guy that did this thing was a, was a pretty clever guy. So, <clears throat> get this. The, uh, you see you've got the Dramites and the Urbites, right? So who are the programmers? Jim Dramus and Paul Urbanus. Yeah. They named them after themselves. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and Dramus also did Car Wars and Munch Man. So he was a TI, sort of like a staff programmer, which I think is kind of cool. Um, so what were your overall impressions uh, with Parsec, Brent, to close it out here? First thing, Parsec, when you, when you first load it up, is incredibly hard. Because the ships move in a way that you would not expect. Uh, they are very, very fast. And they hone into your ship on a collision course almost every time. They can't, Well, I mean, I think they're sort of random, but they're sort of not. The, I don't think they're random yeah. at all. I think they track. Um, and then the, all, the other ships that shoot, as soon as they appear on screen, they line up with you and shoot. Mm -hmm. So it is a shooter where you have to move all the time. Anytime there's something on screen, you have to move. The only time you set still is during the uh, the uh, asteroid phase. Yeah. Um, you, if you if you don't move, like you learn pretty quick when those ships come out with double lasers. That if you don't move, you're instant dead. Yeah, yeah. I should mention the explode when you die. The explosion is pretty graphically pleasing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it looks real nice. Uh, <clears throat> just a couple cleaning up things here. Do you know what a parsec is? Uh, it's a measurement of time, isn't it? It's a measure. It's a unit of measurement. One parsec equals three point a bunch of numbers meters equals one astronomical unit. It stands for a parallax of one arc second. Yeah, parsec. I didn't know. Oh, you. Oh, you just blew it off. I didn't know oh, that. Of course. I, I knew professor it was a. Brent's I knew here. it was a unit of time. I'm I sorry. Didn't know to, the, I didn't want to talk down to you, professor. I didn't know the 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 total what unit of time it was. So get this. Uh, there was a sequel planned. Alright? A two-player sequel. Uh, it was going to be called... It was called Beyond Parsec. Parsec, even though it was called Beyond Space. So this is from the author. With the Parsec's popularity, I thought a two-player version would be a sure hit. I agree. I created a storyboard concept and began coding the software as a submission to TI. The concept was two ships in a movable asteroid field. The asteroids would not move if they were fired upon. So they could be used as both an offensive and defensive weapon. And he, he used the sound effects created for Parsec. And he sent it to the TI. And they loved it. And accepted it as a Class A submission. I guess that's as high Ooh. as it goes. But then TI announced they're killing off the machine. <laughs> now, I don't know if this ever got released anywhere else. But they act like it got released somewhere beyond space. So, I, so I, maybe we'll look around and see it. I couldn't find much about that. You know what my biggest problem with this game? What? I hated that they put all that junk down on the ground. The initials, the name of the city. Why? The big, because it, it I, I, I hate that kind of garbage. I like it. You do it once on the opening screen, it scrolls by, it never comes up again. I'm fine with that. When you completely litter your landscape with logos that shouldn't be there, names, letters that don't fit. Because you've got this... I mean, it's not a lovely alien cityscape, but it's an alien cityscape. And then you've got a big TI logo. Yeah, that that really turned me off on the game. Not me. I think that's a silly thing that makes you look yeah. silly. No, so, I, I think it ruins the immersion of the game. The immersion of the game? Yes. Anyhow, if you're looking to buy a copy of Parsec, I don't agree. I like this, by the way. I like the game. Uh, I don't like that. Parsec is probably considered the premier game on the system. And, well, with the voice module, I can see it. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think it's that special. So, Parsec... Uh, the scrolling's good. Boxed. You can get a copy for 13 bucks, And you can see the box wow. here. Wow. Uh, the box, which Brent has taken care of getting for us. Beautiful Complete with box. cover. Now, yeah. most TI boxes... They're hot garbage. They're yeah. no good, as you can see from that. Um, anyway, box you get it for thirteen bucks, loose five bucks, and you can get these things 
all day yeah. long. The, so, avail- the availability of TI games uh, on the secondary market is really substantial. It would be a, if you're going to get into a game system, this would be the one to get into. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean there's lots of stuff out. Can, I'm sure like there are the rare games. games, but yeah. there are a lot of games out yeah. there. So let's turn the corner here to Brent. What do you got this week? I have Tombstone City. 21st century. Now, I, I, I tell you, when you when you pick this one, I've not heard of this one. I had not either. Yeah. I was scrolling through the uh, list of exclusive games for the TI-99, uh, and this one caught my eye. So I, I fired it up. I was like, all right, let's see what this got. Pretty good game. And when I actually learned how to play the game, it was a really good game. So what is Tombstone City 21st century? It was made by John Plaster back in 1981. Yeah. So pretty early. Uh, this runs on both the TI-99-4 and the 4A. Oh, very good. It runs on both uh, cartridge and disc. Okay. So although you have to have the menu- memory module if you go the, the disc route, which that was pretty common. You play as a schooner, which is a covered wagon. And you are uh, in an abandoned city out in the Midwest, an unnamed town. Well, it's I not suppose Tombstone Tomb- City. It's actually it's not Tombstone City. It's an unnamed town. Uh, so it's Tombstone City. No, that's it's, the name of the game. It, but the the town is not Tombstone City. It's an unknown uh, southwestern town. You know, if I was going to try to populate a town, I don't think I would call it Tombstone City. <laughs> well. In a year. Well, well here's, the, here's the thing. That's kind of the funny point. The city's dead. It's a ghost town. Um, and your objective is to kill the invading aliens to give confidence back to the people to return to the city. That's why when you uh, defeat aliens or clean up the landscape, instead of getting score, you gain population. I thought that was pretty clever. This is right up your alley. Man. Oh, it's, I, I love know, it, man. I, I it's love like it. City Planner, the shooter. <laughs> well, no, I don't think it's anything like that. Um, you're you so you rolling around in this wagon. Uh, it moves up, down, left, right. No diagonals in the game. It has absolute control, which means uh, as soon as you want to go up, if you hit up, you just you go from facing left or right or down to up. There's no turning. There's no no animation for that. Um, you shoot out your bullets, which you have an unlimited supply of. If you shoot, uh, the little pink objects on the map are uh, tumbleweeds, and the little green objects on the map are the aliens, which are called morgues, M-O-R-G-S. So the morgues are what are, are invading these this landscape, and that's what you're trying to get rid of. Uh, every time you kill a morgue, it turns into a cacti. Which makes sense. Uh, but the cacti are also what spawn the morgues. But you can't get rid of the cacti. Unless <coughs> you have three cacti touching, and then they will go away. That is not hard or easy to do. So, one cacti does nothing. If it's you have one, ca- I guess, cactus at that point, uh, on the landscape, it does nothing. It just blocks your path. You can't shoot them. You can't run into them and get hurt. They just, they're a solid object. If there are two touching, that is what spawns morgues. That's their their mating ground. So if you have two cacti touching, that means that you're going to spawn a morgue from it. If you have three cacti touching, it it's too much for the land to support, so it collapses all of them and gets rid of it. Now, in real life, this doesn't happen, right? Two cactus. Well, no, there's not a whole lot of aliens running around in the desert landscape, Aaron. So, no, I, I think we're did safe. You, did two cactuses touch? No, no. When two cactuses oh, really my love gosh. each other. And we can't edit this out. Now we're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> so, the object of the game, on its surface, this is what I call an E.T. game. Okay? E.T. for the Atari, notorious for being a horrible game. However, if the general public would have read the instruction manual and played the game, they would knowing what you're actually supposed to do, it makes a tremendous difference in the fun you have. This is the exact same way. 
if you just run around and you shoot stuff and, and, and you think you're racking up this great score, uh, it's, it's not that good of a game. If you realize that the whole objective of the game is to get cactus to stand by themselves, a single cactus without getting touched by anything, that's how you actually advance to the next level. So there, it's it's more than just flying around shooting stuff or rolling around shooting stuff, I suppose. It's trying to group this these cacti together to make them go away to advance to the next level. Makes the game a lot more fun when you know what you're actually doing. And a lot of people just load this up. They just start playing. They're like, oh, it's a crappy little shooter. I'm done. So let's go into a little more depth of this. In the middle of the screen... You have a, uh, I believe it is a 5x5 five five grid of blue squares, which actually represent the city. In, if you're inside of the city with your uh, wagon, the bad guys can't get in to get you. However, and you can, you can shoot out of the city that way. So if things are really hectic, you can just stay in there and shoot out to clear out some of the stuff. However, uh, if you block out all your exits then you're, you can't be back in the city. And when you, it will automatically kill you and teleport you out of the city, and then you're screwed because you have no safe place to go and hide. Um, also, if you hit your space bar while you play and you're outside of the city, you'll teleport into the city to be safe. Oh. So if you're getting ready to get swarmed, oh. you hit your, your space bar, you teleport. But, I didn't know that. But that's a sign of cowardness. And it makes 1,000 of your people leave. What if you do it and you've only got less than 1,000? I don't, you know, I don't know. Because score is pretty easy to come by. Uh, the tumbleweeds don't hurt you. They just kind of get in your way and move around. And you can shoot those for 100 points. And the aliens give you 150 when you shoot them. So getting above 1,000 is pretty easy early on. So I don't, I don't think I ever hit the space bar. I don't I, think I, I ever. I have to say, I didn't know about the space bar. Yeah. So that's, see, we both did it. You know, you didn't know about the, the lift yeah. that I know it's yeah. for. So, so uh, like I said, this is sort of like a puzzle shooter because you have to try to maneuver these aliens to get next to other cacti and get them to groups of three to advance the game. Also, uh, whenever a pair of cacti are going to spawn an alien, they actually have a white background. They, they flash, kind of. And that, that's so you won't get caught off guard, which is crazy. They didn't have to add that. They could have just had the aliens magically appear, but they didn't because they wanted to give the, the characters a fair chance. I think this is a very deep and detailed game that gets no love because people don't know what they're doing. It's, a, it's an E.T. effect. However, something I want to note, this is straight from the manual. <clears throat> there is an unlimited amount of time to destroy any remaining morgues after all generating pairs of cacti have been eliminated. If you find yourself in this limited time period, you must destroy the remaining morgues as fast as possible. Otherwise, the computer will time out and you will have to restart by turning your computer off and on again. <laughs> so, apparently... A, a bug is a feature? It was a, it was a bug in the system that they couldn't fix. So they just said, like, <laughs> add it to the manual. That way it's part of the At game. At least they tell you up front. Yeah. Uh, the guy that developed this game, <laughs> heck of a guy. Uh, he's just from the interviews I've read, and he's given lots of interviews. Uh, he seems like a real nice guy. He said when he was first making this game, uh, it, it was it was pretty different. I mean, some of the things were the same, but it was pretty different. The cacti were not going to be the, the cause of the alien spawns. It, it, the, the symbol was going to be uh, uh, the old two sticks make a cross gimmick, like as a grave marker. Yeah. Uh, but they had religious issues, so they said that couldn't, they couldn't do that. Texas. Yeah, I'm just, <clears throat> um, they also, this was supposed to, the city was supposed to be, uh, uh, uranium enrichment plant that blew up, that caused the alien. It wasn't going to be aliens, it was going to be mutants. Yeah. But they didn't want, uh, that kind of destruction 
They thought that that might put some people off, so they didn't add that into the game. <laughs> um, wow, they really. This tells you a lot about the TI. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if you think about it, it tells you a lot about what's going on. Uh, the game also uh, was. It has difficulty levels in the game. You can play. Uh, uh, I can't remember the exact names. So give me one second. Is it second. like the highest level, like insane? Yeah. Or like, is it <laughs> and, and it's novice, master, and insane. Yeah. And then it actually changes how the game plays. Novice, uh, your wagon is twice as fast as the aliens move. So it, and which novice is what I played on most of the time. Um, and the mall, the aliens don't generate as quickly, and they only generate it one at a time. Master level, which is I guess more of the standard level, uh, your wagon moves the same amount as the aliens, and they spawn one at a time. And then insane level, the mogs will spawn two at a time, which makes them harder to clean up, and your wagon moves the same speed of them. So the guy really went in depth and thought about all this stuff to make a game that. I thought was a lot of fun. What do you think about it? You know, it's when I first booted this thing up, I thought to myself, and I believe there's a game, there's an arcade game, I think it's called Space Fury, but I'm not sure. It's one where you drive a ship through a board that sort of looks like the city in there. I know exactly what you're and talking about. And I thought to about. myself, this is just a, another TI uh, arcade hork, you know, and it might not be Space Fury. I can't remember the exact one. It's there's not. One, there's one where you drive through, like, blocks. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but it's not Space so, Fury, but I know what you're talking about. I started about. playing this without any research, and, and uh, I just played it. And I, I did exactly what you said. I kept shooting stuff. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't figure out what I was doing. So I got to looking, and they were like, yeah, this is how you end the day. And I hadn't even noticed that there was a day counter at the bottom yeah. of the screen. And I was like, oh, that makes it... That, okay. But it, it, I had trouble getting the, to the next day. So like you know, I wasn't good at the game, but what? And so I'm not. But I'm not going to poo-poo it because underneath the kind of generic-looking, I mean, it's it's a decent-looking game for its era. To be honest, it looks yeah. like the desert. They've got a decent job, and it has but, enough sprites that are different to make it exciting. But it, there is a deeper game there. Like it's way it's deeper. A, oh like, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a different sort of it's a thinking man shooting game. I mean, you have to plan where you shoot people effectively. It's a puzzle. It, it's a puzzle shooter. It's it's so you can't just randomly go and kill. You can, but you really want to keep, kill stuff in a certain way in a certain spot, and so that adds to the. Uh, it, it's sort of the same as the gun overheating on Parsec. It's an extra spice that takes the game from just something that's just that could just be a run around and shoot stuff in a blocky surface. Into something that's a little more, uh, uh, you have to be a little more thoughtful about how you shoot stuff. And I, and I think this game has uh, the guy put a lot of thought into it. Really did. Yes, I tried to play this on Insane, see what it was like, and that was it's insane. Well, and the levels as you advance get faster and faster. So, or the, as the days advance, so there is certainly a limit to where you know four or five days in, you're screwed. Everything moves so fast uh, that you can't keep up with it. And the tumbleweeds are just there to get in the way. If you clear them all off, they pop back. Yeah. So what I did a lot of the times was I would clear it down to one or two and then just leave those so I could try to better maneuver the the morgues to a place where I needed to shoot them. But I had a lot of fun with it. I had way more fun with this than I expected when yeah. I because when I saw the I was going to kill it. I was like, oh, I'm going to kill this game. Why have you picked it? <laughs> You know the, funny, the 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 tribute to this game is I know it has gotten a lot uh and for a while especially I don't know about now but it got a lot of action on the high score charts like this yeah. was a game people went to 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 uh, submit scores to Twin Galaxies videotape their gameplay I saw several references as I was researching this game uh, so it was getting a lot of play and I think that goes to the point that it's a game where you really have to sit down and and, and ponder how you're going to attack the game you know yeah. and 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 it's fun i mean this isn't freaking uh civilization or something i mean no there's no. some thinking involved in it. and for a game of this era yeah it's, it's way deeper than it than it has any right to be and for, for the population being the score man that little to those little touches i just i love in games i absolutely love i agree them. i agree uh, ebay price this can be picked up minty fresh in box for 20 bucks 
Loose, yeah. less than five. I will say, this game did have a good rep in the day, too. As I look back, it, it's mentioned amongst the best sellers for the system. Parsec being probably one of the top. Oh, it's one or definitely two. the top, yeah. And, and, and this game, apparently, there was a lot of people. So, some people got it, I yeah. guess. Some people did get it. So, uh, it's a it's a it's an interesting game and it you, one that was a surprise. Yeah. You know, you know what's never a surprise. What's that? The wheel. I knew it. <laughs> Let's spin this sucker. All right. Now tell them what we added this week, Brandy. We added, I believe it was late or early '80s arcade. I cannot recall. So, well, one you want to look? It late. Okay. Late yeah. '80s uh, arcade. All right. Spin the wheel. Make the deal. All right. Oh, get it. Tune tune up the band. Well, get a super it's dark. It's getting dark in the desert. <laughs> For our live show. Oh, it's a good spin. Good spin. And we've got Game Gear. All right. You, you know what? I'm kind, of, I'm kind of excited about this. I actually own a, a Game Gear with a bunch of games, and so that'll be fun That'll be fun for me. Yeah. Uh, have you ever played a Game Gear before? Absolutely. Oh, really? Yes. Who, who'd you know that had uh, one? Uh, my buddy Paul owned one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I... Took a ton of batteries. I did. <laughs> I, I've, I've even got the super battery mega charge. Oh, thing. there you go. You almost had to, back, yeah. or, or live next to a wall. Or socket. plug it in, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Game Gear is a Sega's uh, portable. Uh, one of the couple of portables that they ended up having. Yes. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. We haven't done one of those. Uh, we have never done one, and we haven't done a portable for a little while. So that'll be next week's show. Now, uh, we should mention, and that we are... Uh, for those watching live, and for the, those that are watching on YouTube, we will be... Uh, going, stepping out, and trying a live uh, broadcast next week for our, what will essentially be our Christmas show. Uh, we'll it, it'll be coming out the day after Christmas. But yes, we'll, we'll milk it out a little bit. So, if you would like to join the ARJ <laughs> ARJ crew, you know I hear those guys are great. They're they're compression masters. If you'd like to join the ARG crew uh, for a live show, and you can only get this sort of quality broadcasting if you do. That's right. Uh, feel free to join us uh, next Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which I believe if you're in the uh, UK, I think they're about four hours back or ahead. So that'd yeah, be ahead. what noon or one o'clock, something like that. So uh, check local listings for more details. But we'll be going uh, uh, live. Uh, next week as a celebration of Christmas, and then the show will appear on YouTube in, in its normal course. There you go. Any parting thoughts? That's it. Let's All right, it's it. Game Gear next week, and until next week, adios, adios. partner. If you're ever down in Texas, look me up. If you're ever down in Texas, look me up. <laughs> Where men are men and love it, and the gals are sure glad of it. Man, if you're ever down in Texas, look me up. Everybody's gonna holler, how to do, how to do. Everybody there'll be saying, how are you? We raise corn for hot tamales and rosaries for the pollies. Boy, if you're ever down in Texas, look me up. Ask anyone for Tommy, everybody knows of me. They'll tell you where I'm writing at by W, X, or Y, or Z. So if you all come to Texas, look me up. But we got everything in Texas looking up.